This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. like to invite you to have a seat right where you're at, and I'm going to ask the ushers to uh, pass out. We have a, a little worship guide. It has um, some notes in it that'll help us kind of walk through this passage. Um, we're really just studying one phrase in, in the uh, book of Ephesians. Uh, this was a letter that was written to actual people, uh, but it was not a letter written uh, by uh, someone who was just kind of shooting the breeze. It was inspired by the Holy Ghost. And we believe um, that scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it, that's not meaning they were feeling inspired. It means that God breathed the words uh, to these men. You say, well, how do we know that these men, uh, you know, were, were God breathed? Because what they said is absolutely true. And there is no falsehood in it. <laughs> so, I mean, imagine writing a thesis. And, and everything you said was fact-checked for 2,000 years. You, I mean, people were defining, well, you could have said it this way, <laughs> or you should have said it that way, right? The reality of Scripture is it has, stand, it has stood the test of time, meaning that everything it says is exactly what we need in our marriages, in our lives, so pragmatically it works. But then also we look to it and we realize it resonates that what it says is not just truly stated as truth in the Bible, and it is, but it is also true because we, we realize, oh, wait a second, that sounds true, that, that resonates as truth. And then we look at God's Word and we say, wait a second, not only does it say it's true, but the guy that, that, that came as the truth died and rose again, and no one can disprove the resurrection. You know, the last time I was in Israel, um, it, we were talking to some of the Jewish scholars. They don't even believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They, they believe there's going to be someone else even greater. But, but they even said, well, yeah, he rose from the dead. We don't know how. <laughs> but, we, but, but he did. Um, you know, even, even the Muslims, uh, the, 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 the Islam religion teaches that Jesus rose again from the dead. Again, prophet, not sure who he is, but he rose again from the dead. So I, I, I turn to this scripture, and I, I'd invite you guys to turn to the scripture as well, just to know that, that this is a book um, that, that was, has credibility, not because of necessarily even what it says. Yes, what it says is true, but because of who said it, and because of the, the veracity of the resurrection, that's the cornerstone of our faith. We come with a power in this truth that, that's not something that you can just get in pop psychology. It's not something that, that, that men can just kind of whip out because they're brilliant. This is something from God. That's why we call it the Word of God. And so we've been studying uh, this series called Battle Ready because this passage specifically talks about spiritual warfare. And uh, our, the premise of the series, the takeaway of this series, is that battles, spiritual battles, are inevitable, right? We're not fighting against each other. We're really, there's something behind the evil in this world. There's something behind the disunity in this world. And so we know that that's the, the, the forces of evil. And so the battle's inevitable, 
But victory is possible through the power and protection that God has provided. Now, the power and protection is in, this, in, the, in these verses. And I want you to notice uh, what it says in verse number 10 of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand uh, against the wiles of the devil, the tricks, the schemes of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against other people, but against principalities and and, and principalities and powers and uh, rulers of darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. Last week we talked all about what are the forces of evil. Why does the Bible mention them so many times? Verse 13, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. And then he says it again. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. What does that mean? We'll study it. Let's pray. God, uh, use your word as you promised you would. Holy Spirit, use this. God, there's nothing brilliant that I could ever say. And so, Holy Spirit, we're relying on you speaking to each heart. And Lord, we know you speak to us when you're leading us to do something we would not normally do in our own power. God, when you lead us from your truth, we pray that we would respond. And I pray that as you did a great work in the first service, you would do a work in this service through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever noticed something and you're like, man, something just seems off with that? Have you ever just seen something? You're like, man, I I don't know. I I, I think I'm missing something. There's something missing. There's something a little confusing about that. And uh, I was seeing some pictures of animals recently. There's a, a couple, a, a picture of a, what looked like one horse, right? And uh, this is the picture. It just kind of looked a little confusing because it's two horses. But 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 when you're when you're when your eyes first see it, it's like, what that? What what is that? You know, it's like, is that that a, is that a mutated horse? Like, how does that have you know? And it's two horses, same same shade. It just was taken right at the same, so we know that's two horses, but it's taken at a confusing angle, right? Uh, I saw another picture of a dog, uh, two dogs actually. Uh, that's actually not a dog. Um, that, is, that looks like a dog. Um, that's actually someone's head with sunglasses on it, right? It doesn't look like a seal or a dog with sunglasses, right? Uh, that's someone's head. This is the top of it. Uh, th- here's a picture of two dogs, okay? Uh, but it kind of looks like one weird dog with a little uh, small head, but it's two dogs. And so what I'm saying is there's, there's a truth, the fact that it's two dogs, but it's taken from an angle that makes it confusing. It tricks your eyes. It kind of You have to take a double look, like, whoa, whoa, what, what's going on there? All of culture around us is trying to distort the truth, meaning the truth is not something that we can, we, we can change. The truth is truth, no matter what, right? Um, you don't have your truth, and I have my truth. That's one of the most common things that's been, being peddled right now. It's, this is my truth. I'm trying to live out my truth. And I understand about authenticity and all of that. But, but I want to tell you something, that there are absolutes. How many of you know in science, there are absolutes. There are laws that are absolute. They're absolutely true. And uh, relativism has creeped its way into uh, our society to say, there are no absolutes. You know, everything is just kind of how you perceive it. And, you know, <laughs> alternate realities and everything. Well, no, 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 no. There are, there's truth. I mean, uh, when I, you know, when I drop this pin, it's going to drop because of gravity, right? We know that. That's just something that we can lean on, those absolute truths. Now, not just science, but also in the Word of God, there's this mirroring that we see of absolute truths. 
And everything that is happening in Scripture are, the, you know, the stories and, and even this letter, uh, it, it's, it's showing the, the contrast between truth and confusion. Okay, so each week we've been asking some questions like, are you ready? Are you ready to surrender, right? Uh, are, are you ready for battle, right? Are you ready for this? And today we're going to ask the question, are you ready for confusion? Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but we're living in a sort of confusing day. You know, like one moment they're telling you this one thing, and then the other moment, you know, we're hearing another thing. And some people are saying one thing, and then another people are saying, and then some family members are like, don't do this. And others' families are like, oh, you better do this. You're going to die. You know, and it's like there's so many confusing things all around us, right? Now, truth cuts right through that confusion. And I want you to see this key thought as we begin. It's in your notes that truth is the only answer for error. And focusing on Christ is the cure for confusion. Now, there will be moments in our lives where we'll always be a little confused because we're living in a broken world. Now, I want to just say something for those of you on the radio, 90.5, welcome. Those uh, watching online, we welcome you into the space. But for all of you that are here, everyone in this room and those that are kind of uh, stepping into this room virtually, I want you to know that there's something we all have in common, and that is we're living in a world that was marred by sin. The design and the designer are perfect. <laughs> so God designed this thing to, to, to be exactly the way he wanted it without all the things that we wonder, well, why would God let that happen? God didn't want it to happen. That wasn't his plan, right? So we're living in a broken world. Uh, I did a funeral yesterday for a young man in our church, 28 years old. He went to heaven way too early, right? And, 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 it, and it makes us like, whoa, 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 what's happening? Like, life is so short, and what's going on? And, 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 and all of these things, you, you, you're just wondering, like, you're a little confused, but it's the truth that gives us answers. It's the truth that gives us a foundation to hold on to. Now, confusion has a root, it has a cause. It has an author. And I want you to notice in, in 1 Corinthians 14, 33, it says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. And I believe that includes ours, right? All the churches of the saints uh, are, are going to have to choose between truth, which is God's the author of truth, and error or confusion. And who's the author of confusion? Not God. Satan is the author of confusion. We'll see that. So here's an action item. We're going to come back to this in future weeks, but here's a main action item for today. And I want you just to, I'm going to give you several action items and whatever one resonates, I, I hope that you'll, you'll, you'll take something and use it today. Okay. We don't want to just sit here and learn or be challenged or, or, you know, be stimulated as some people say, no, we want to be, we want to be transformed. We want to be changed. Okay. So we want to limit confusion and deception by battling distraction. I don't know about you, but I get a little distracted. We battle distraction from Christ and the twisting of the truth. We want to battle against the twisting of the truth. You can't change it, but you can change the perspective to confuse people about it. And that's what Satan does. So there are two choices uh, to be ready to battle confusion. Number one, the choice is to stand for truth or fall for confusion. To stand for truth. That's number one. To stand for truth or fall for confusion. Now, why, why do we say stand? Well, it says it in verse 14. It says, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Now, we'll get to the end of that in a minute. But right now, we want to come back to that word that we studied last week, stand. Everyone say stand. 
Now, last week we said that it's a, it's a word that means to be firmly grounded. Um, but I want you to see letter A that this is a command to stand. And the command to stand is continual. It's continual. Now, why do we say it's a command? Well, because this word specifically in the, in the original language when it was originally written, it's an imperative word. It's not like maybe if you want to, it's, it's imperative, but it's also aorist, which is a, a Greek term I'll explain, aorist, and then it's continual, right? It's active. It's, it's saying, hey, this is something that can, needs to continue to happen. Now, the aorist tense, let me explain it to you, okay, because I, I want to geek out for a second, okay? Um, it's, it's, it's this word, in the aorist, it's, a, it's, a, it's capturing, right? It's taking a snapshot. Uh, we were up on the mountain, and, 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 and I, you know, you just want to take a picture of some of the things. You're, wow, that's so beautiful. i got to capture that so I can take it with me, right? But then there, you see something else a little bit later, and, you know, I got some videos of my boys up there, and we just had a great time. But, I mean, you're, you're, you're wanting to take a little piece of that with you. Well, aorist, active imperative, doesn't just mean that it's commanded, doesn't just mean that it's something that's being captured, but it's something that's being commanded and captured, but it's something that's supposed to happen over and over and over again. So we're standing and we're falling, and we're standing and we're standing and we're standing. It's continual. Do you guys get that? So we're continuing to stand. Now, we are supposed to stand, Galatians 5.1 tells us, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. So we're standing in Christ, not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Listen, there's bondage in falling and staying down. There's freedom in standing in the truth that God has given us. Now, what does that freedom look like? Well, here's a key thought. Standing is an action that produces strength and corrects a fall. When you stand up, you are correcting your posture from sitting or falling to standing. And we've quoted this verse before, but in Proverbs 24, 16, it says, a just man falleth seven times. And the reason why it uses seven is because that was, that was basically giving you the word picture that he's constantly falling. Uh, seven times seven. It was just kind of starting over. That's what Jesus said about forgiving. Seven times seven. Like, just keep doing it. So, a just man's always going to be falling. The difference with a just man and a wicked man, or a man that's not wicked, just means away from God, turning his back on God. The man who's turning toward God, the man who's seeking God, is getting up. He's rising up again. But a, a wicked man shall fall. The word fall literally means to stay down, to fall into mischief. And so standing is something that we're constantly doing. Now, Satan will do everything he can to cause you to stumble. He'll do everything he can to cause you pain. He'll do everything he can to trip you up. He'll do everything he can uh, to, to get you sidetracked. How many of you know that, right? We've been studying that the last couple of weeks. And uh, to illustrate this, um, I, I will tell you, as a, as a dad, there's no greater joy that I have than, you know, doing stuff with my boys. And, and something I've done since they were very little is we used to play with those big Legos, those Duplo Legos, I think is what they're called, big Legos, and they enjoyed that. And then they got a little bit older where they wouldn't, you know, choke on the Legos. And, uh, and we got the little Legos, right? The, 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 the normal size, little blocks, right? And um, these are awesome uh, until it's night and you're barefooted and you step on them. I mean, right at the top. And generally, you're not stepping on a, a bunch of them, right? You're stepping on the corner of one little one. 
Now, I don't know what, what the greatest amount of pain is in the world. It's probably childbirth, okay? But this is a close second, all right? Uh, and obviously, I'm a guy up here saying that. Um, but this, man, I will tell you. And then normally, you're like, yeah, and then, you, and then you step with your good foot on another one, you know? And you're like, man, what in the world? And uh, I told my boys, I was like, sometimes I feel like you guys are just leaving those out on purpose, right? And, oh, this is really going to get them, right? But, but, but it, 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 it gets you. It, it, it takes you. Takes a weak spot in your foot and it exploits it. It causes pain in it. Now, I will tell you, Satan knows where your weak spots are. Satan knows what causes you pain. And Satan will wound you generally through the words of someone who you care about. Now, let me prove that to you. Satan in Revelation chapter 12, I put in your notes in verse number 10. He is called the accuser of the brethren. And one day he will be cast down, and he will be cast down by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. The fact that you are blood-bought, meaning you have trusted Jesus' blood for the covering of your sin. You see, religion says you have to cover your sin with good works, but Jesus says, hey, Anything you add to what I've done is saying, sending the message that what I've done is not enough. And so salvation by grace is, is just a gift from God. When you receive that, your testimony is, I have the blood of a lamb applied to my account. That's why everyone says, man, I don't go to church because, you know, those people are, you know, they're hypocrites. You know, they're acting one way on Sunday and they're acting another way on Saturday night. And I'm like, hey, welcome to the club. Because Jesus is our righteousness. We're not, none of us here, including myself, are pretending like we got it all together. In fact, it's the, actually the opposite. We're all here a bunch of broken people with issues, but there's one who didn't have issues, and his name was Jesus Christ. And we're worshiping him, and we're receiving a badge of righteousness on his behalf. Now, I'm so thankful that you're all here this morning, but I want to tell you next week, we're going to talk about that badge. We're going to talk about the vest of righteousness. And I want to tell you my life verse. It's 2 Corinthians 5.21, that God made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin. He, he never sinned. That we might be made the righteousness of Jesus in him. So listen, anything good that you see in me or, or, or in my family or anything I do, it's not mine. I don't have that. That's him in me. And so it's a wonderful principle to know that Satan is trying to get us to be hurt, to be a victim, to stay down. But Jesus is giving us the victory. Now, all of us have a choice. You can be a victim of your pain, of your past, of your wounds. You can be a victim and stay in fear and stay down. Or you can be a victor in the word of Jesus Christ. You can have victory because Jesus already canceled the, the, the death, the pain, the suffering. He already canceled that. We are living in the remnants of sin, but we are living in the victory of Jesus Christ. And we know that because he tells us that he is the one that is the overcomer. He says, I have overcome the, the, the world. Be not overcome with evil because I have overcome the world. Do not be overcome with fear for I have overcome the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So then why do we get wounded by other people? 
Why is it so easy to be confused by what everyone is saying around you? Well, I want to tell you why. It's because constantly we are tempted to take the place of Jesus in the world. You say, I don't. Let me prove it. I don't have time to read it, but let me, let me read the last part of Romans chapter 14 and verse number 8 through 13. You can read the rest on your own. But it says in verse number 13, let me start in verse 12. Every one of us shall give an account to God himself. He'll give an account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, and let that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Do you know what Satan wants more than anything? He wants you to tick off you. And he wants you to make me mad. And he wants all of us to be mad at all of the rest of us. Have you noticed a trend in our world today that everyone is mad at everybody else? I mean, on the freeway, I mean, on Facebook, Everyone is mad at everyone else. And Satan loves it. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And Satan wants us to pick up what only Jesus has the rightful reason to pick up, and that is the scepter of judgment. And he wants us to become the judge of other people when only he has the right to be the judge. And I will tell you right now that there is coming a a wave of tribalism, a wave of identity groups that are mad at other groups and are victimized by other groups. And there are so many reasons to be pulled apart and divided. And you have all these groups forming and you have like vaccine and no vaccine and mask and no mask and this this party and that party and this reason and that reason and I like ice cream. I don't like ice cream. Ice cream is bad for you. Actually, ice cream is good for you. I don't know. Is it? I don't know. We get confused. And we live in a life where everyone has an opinion and they're like sharing it so readily. And as Christians, we need to come back to, wait a second, what's God's opinion? Like what's God got to say about this, right? That's what cuts... through the confusion. Now, you're like, dude, this guy's amped. Yeah, I'm amped because, listen, you're not, you're not going to get this anywhere else. And you're living in a world where there's so many voices, but this is what cuts through all the voices. It's difficult to tell someone about the righteous Jesus being the righteous judge when we're trying to be the righteous judge ourselves. It's, it's better to let everyone answer to Jesus who is the righteous judge, and we all will answer to him anyway. Hey, listen, you have to stand before Jesus just like I do, so why am I trying to act like I am on the throne now, getting you to stand before me as the judge, when one day you're going to have to stand before him anyway? Let me illustrate it to you this way. Now, I'm sure no other parent has experienced this, or maybe you have, but every once in a while, my boys will be less than perfect out in public, okay, every once in a while. And every once in a while, there will be a, I'll just say a concerned citizen 
who decides that they really need to help my children, and generally it comes right as I'm trying to help my children, they decide, you know, this guy probably needs my help with his parenting style or skills or whatever. And, and I don't know if you've ever had this, but you get some, what I call, unsolicited advice, right? <laughs> it's like, you know, and, and they just start, you know, correcting your children. And, and it's kind of like, ooh, well, you know, if I needed the help, generally, it, I, I wouldn't ask random citizens, but if I needed it, I'd ask, right? Now, as much as a parent, it just kind of grinds on you for someone else to try to parent your child. God's asking the same question. Wait a second. I'm God's child. If you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're God's child. Why are we running around trying to parent God's children? Why are we trying to act like we're the father that knows what's best for his children? You know the way that God parents his children? It's through the word of God. It is the belt of truth. It's the truth of God that gives us the freedom. It's the truth of God that realizes, hey, no matter what decision other people make, they are ultimately accountable to God himself. And so we find this standing. It's a, it's a continual stance. And it says, stand therefore, and it says with truth. We're standing with truth. And we'll talk about the belt in a second. But I just have to point out letter B that the trap of confusion is unlocked by truth. Now, I'm telling you, confusion, confusing all the terms that are changing, all the things, there are little slight changes in our culture, you'll see terms that used to mean one thing, and now they mean another. And, 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 it, and it causes confusion. And, and there's, there's guidelines that change. And there's, there's all sorts of things that you thought were black and white, and now they're gray. And, and, and it's just confusing, confusion. And truth is what cuts through that. The word truth is the word that means reality. Adelphia, it, it, it's, it's this... Word that is meaning certainty, but it, but it means something that's actually factual, a universal absolute. And Paul talks about this in uh, Ephesians chapter 5. He talks about the truth and how it gives light to the darkness. But here's a key thought, that truth cuts through any confusion because there's no question that can make truth untrue. There's nothing that you could ever say. There's nothing you could ever do. There's no one you could ever come to and talk to who could ever take the truth and change it. You, you can mask the truth. You can confuse the truth. But friends, you can't. You cannot change the truth. As the truth of gravity will never change, the truth of God's word will stay the same. And so in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 8, it says, for we can do nothing against the truth. I've said for, for many years, truth fears no questions. And we need to be asking questions. That's an action item. We need to journal our questions and, and get answers from God's word. And so we need to stand in the truth. Otherwise, we'll fall for confusion. And then number two, we need to prepare for air. There's going to be air. There's going to be mistakes we make. There's going to be lies we believe. There just will. We're constantly believing our own lives. And an example of this, I wasn't planning on using this, but every time we snooze our alarms, 
it's really quiet in here right now. But every time we snooze our alarms, we're believing the lie that five more minutes will make us feel rested. <laughs> it doesn't ever work. You know, you don't snooze it for five minutes. Oh, man. Ooh. Oh, that was just when I need it. No, you're like, uh. <laughs> right? And so every single day, man, you know, we, we, we believe those, those, those things that are less than true. And, and, and the reality that we have to come to is this. That letter A, prudence prepares for, dis, for dis, disruption, uh, deception. And the disruption that, that the evil one, the deceiver is bringing, he's bringing this air into the world. And we prepare for air by trusting the truth. That's number two. Sorry, I, I don't think I finished that. Uh, but we prepare for air by trusting the truth. Now, how do we trust the air? We trust the, we, we trust the truth, prepare for, for the, the, the deception that's coming our way. Well, well we do this by girding up our loins. Now, you probably are like, what, girdle, what, loins, what? Okay, I'm confused. That's all right. I like the fact that it uses this first century term. And this was a term that, that we don't use anymore, um, probably for good reason. But it has a lot more meaning than in our simplistic language uh, of English. In fact, Spanish is far more complex uh, than English. And, and it has mo- lots, lots more uh, depth and, and all of that. And uh, Greek and Hebrew are even more complex. And, and in Greek, it, the same thing in Hebrew, it, it means when you gird up your loins, you were covering yourself. And, and this, was, this was a, uh, you would do this with a belt. You put a belt around your waist and, and it would basically make you ready for war. It was, it was the first piece of clothing you would put on for battle. It was protecting your waist. It was protecting uh, your vital organs. But it was also giving you the sense of security, the sense of I, I, I'm ready for what is going to come my way. And so here's a key thought. There are thoughts in our lives that are easily tangled when air is peddled as truth. I don't know what it might be, but there's going to be a point in time where culture is going to be peddling something as true. And you're going to know, based on what the Bible says and just what you can see in nature, you're going to say, I'm sorry, but that's just not true. (laughs) And as a pastor, I'm constantly saying, listen, I, I have a loving disposition. I want to give you grace. I'm not trying to wound you. But the most loving thing I can do is tell you the truth. And I will tell you something about the truth. That, that it, it, is, it is what Satan is constantly trying to, to hide. To, to, to turn at just the right angle so that you don't really get it. Uh, an example. I think there's, I'm not a conspiracy theorist guy, but I think there's a, a, a conspiracy theory around the fact that headphones, they just naturally tangle. Have you ever noticed that, right? You, you wrap them all, all neat and you put them in your bag, you take them out and there's like four knots you, can, you can't get untied. And you're like, how'd that happen? I literally just put them in my bag. Now, I think it was, uh, you know, uh, they did that knowing they were coming out with wireless ones. That's just my thought, okay? <laughs> they was like, d- diabolical planet. Like, hey, if we make them more tangly, you know, they'll want to buy our other ones. But anyway, that wasn't in the Bible. Um, but here's why I thought of that in, in preparing for this. Because there's just some things 
that are easy to get confused. There's some things that you're like, oh yeah, man, I can see how, how I thought that. And the Bible actually talks about a time where it's going to be very easy to be confused. And I want you to know we're living in that time right now. And I want you to know it was prophesied in uh, Isaiah chapter 5. And look at it in your notes. It said that there's going to come a point in time in, in verse 20 where they're going to call evil good and good evil. And they're going to put darkness for light. They're going to peddle darkness and say it's light. And you're like, oh, that doesn't look like light, but I guess it is. And light for darkness. They're going to call bitter things sweet and sweet bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Let me tell you, the world's going to say, listen, we, we know, we know what's best. But you can try that. I have, you probably have, and the end thereof are the ways of death. It does not work. Man, I'll tell you, uh, there are, there's a way that seemeth right into a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And so it's so important to be in the truth. It's so important to be prudent because we know deception's coming. We know lies are going to come our way. And we know we're going to accept them as truth. And the only way we can cut right through all that confusion is to be in the word of God. And so here's an action. I would encourage you to have people of truth around you. That's why, the, that's why small groups are so important. That's why this time is so important to be in the truth. And, and have the principles of truth before you every single day. Have a suitable defense. Have that belt of truth wrapped around you. Make sure that you're, you're wearing that belt of truth. You got to put it on every day. You got to be in the Word. And that's why we're, uh, we'll make the announcement a little bit. Uh, we're starting up Bible meditation groups. And it's where one or two of you uh, you have to be not related to that person, right? But one or two of you are texting back and forth. Hey, here's what I read in the Bible. We'll be going through. We'll be meditating on Scripture. We'll be sharing prayer requests. Why? What do we want to do? We want to get our hearts focused on the truth. And so without the truth, man, uh, we're lost. We're going to have deception and defeat. Um, but with the truth, we are set free, the Bible says. And so we see that it's prudent against deception to be in the truth. But then finally, I want you to see this. This is so true that peace is the product of trusting truth. Let's say that together. Peace is the product of trusting truth. Now, do you know when they were talking about peace, they used the word irene. And uh, the word irene is actually the word they would use to put on a belt. It's the exact same word. They, it, it's, it's, it's something that's joined together. You've latched that belt. You've put it around yourself. You've, you've, you've girded yourself. You, you're ready for that conflict. You are, you are at peace with yourself to do battle with others. And I will tell you that this belt of truth is that, is that truth that girds you up. And a lot of people say, man, I, I just don't feel at peace. And it might be that you're not at peace with God. You know, uh, the first chapter of this book, Ephesians, and chapter 1 and verse 13, it says, In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. You see, the gospel, the good news of salvation is the truth that Jesus died and rose again. He says, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. 
which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession and the praise of His glory. You know, we are at peace with God when we choose to stop going our own way and to start following Him. When we turn from our wicked ways, when we turn from all of our sin and we turn to Jesus, that's the moment we receive Him as our Lord and Savior. If you've never had a time, uh, watching online or you're here in this place, you've never had a time where you've heard the Word of God and you've responded, you've turned from your sin. You've turned to Jesus. That day can be today. Jesus only goes where he's invited, and he's inviting you today to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You say, well, I know about Jesus. I've heard the Bible. I've Maybe I've even read the Bible. Uh, maybe you're like me. Uh, I was a skeptic of the Bible, but now I know that what Jesus said is true, and I can see in the Bible, and I bear witness with myself that what he says is true, and his way is the only way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. But once we're in Christ, once we've received Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are often tempted to be drawn away from the peace that is provided by the truth that Jesus gives. And so here's a key thought. Satan is constantly trying to pull apart what God desires to be drawn together. He wants our church to be pulled apart. He wants relationships to be pulled apart. But most of all, he wants you to feel like you're falling apart. He wants you to be anxious. He wants you just to feel like everything is falling apart. Why? Because it robs you of your peace. And that peace that he gives is Irene. It's joining together. It is bringing you to a completeness. It is bringing you into a whole place of peace. And as a church, we are, as Ephesians 4 says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit. We are called by one hope. There's only one hope for peace, and it's the Prince of Peace. It is Jesus Christ himself. And maybe you're feeling a little bit like you need a little bit of that peace, and I want you to know that there's going to be a point where, where you're going to get separated from that peace that God gives. You're going to be maybe even separated from the, the tools God uses to give peace, his word, his house, um, his, his way of living, right? His spirit is, is what produces peace. But I will tell you that I want you to remember the belt of truth. And I want you to say, you know, I might be believing a lie here. My fear and anxiety might be because I wandered from the truth. Maybe I need to start meditating on the truth. Maybe I need to start memorizing the truth. And so here's the takeaway. And that is, we must be ready for the trap of error and confusion by standing for and trusting in the truth. I'll close with this. I think we have a picture of a Roman belt. Tonight we're going to study this. This was what they were, this is what Paul had in mind when he said the belt of truth. It was, it was plated with metal so that you could not be cut. It was holding your sword so that you were ready for battle. 
It was something that would give you not just protection, but it would give you that readiness, that feeling of, I'm ready for battle. It was also the place that, would, that your breastplate of righteousness would sit on. It was also the place where your sword of the Spirit would go. It was the place that you would say, okay, now I'm ready. And we need to be ready. We need to be battle ready. But we will never be ready for the spiritual battles as long as we are out of the truth of God's word. Let's get back in the word. Let's study it. Let's read it. Let's meditate on it. Let's, medi- let's, let's memorize it. Let's share it with others. And we will be ready with the belt of truth. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Five New Life. Have an amazing day.